0: Thank you for tuning into this British Journal of Sports Medicine podcast. My name's Sean Carmody and I'm a junior doctor working in London. Today I'm at St George's University Hospital in London where I'll be speaking to Dr Anil Malhotra who is a NAIHR clinical lecturer in cardiology who has undertaken his PhD in sports cardiology. Anil has just published a study in the New England Journal of Medicine where he looked at outcomes over 10 years in adolescent Footballers in relation to cardiac screening. Anil, do you want to tell us a bit about the research you performed and, and what your findings were?
1: Yeah, thank you, Sean. Um, so, this study sought to investigate the incidence and causes of sudden cardiac death in adolescent footballers in the UK. Now, the English Football Association runs a cardiac screening programme that's enabled us to study a well defined population of over 11,000 scholar footballers in a systematic way, and this has never been done before. Uh, The study itself was conducted across three sites, here at St George's University of London, um, at Wembley Stadium, when the FA were actually based there, and then the medical department moved to St George's Park in Burton-on-Trent. So between 1996 and 2016, we evaluated 11,168 adolescent athletes with a mean age of 16 years, and the vast majority of whom were male, and they all underwent cardiac screening with a health questionnaire, physical examination, ECG, and echocardiogram. So we weren't only able to report the number of conditions identified, but we followed up the number of sudden cardiac deaths that ensued, which confirmed um, what the actual incidence of sudden cardiac death was.
0: And Anil, from from your study, what what were the particular findings? Well, the main findings were, shown that during
1: screening, 42 athletes, which equates to 0.4% of the overall population, were found to have cardiac disorders associated with sudden cardiac death. A further 225, i.e. 2%, of minor cases of congenital or valvular abnormalities were also identified. So the overall prevalence was about 2.4% of athletes who actually harbored a cardiac condition. And then following screening, we reported 23 deaths from all causes, including road traffic accidents, drug overdoses, but the majority, i.e. 35%, which were eight deaths, were attributable to a cardiac cause. Now, out of these eight deaths, seven, were due to a cardiomyopathy, which was 88%. And six athletes who did suffer sudden cardiac death, so out of the eight athletes who died with a cardiac condition, six athletes demonstrated a normal cardiac screen at the age of 16. The mean time between screening and sudden cardiac death was 6.8 years. So using these numbers, we were able to calculate the number of person years in terms of, who has been followed up, and for how long. And that equated to about 118,000 person years. And we could calculate the incidence of sudden cardiac death in previously screened adolescent athletes, particularly football players, equating to one in 14,800 person years, or seven per 100,000 athletes.
0: And in that study, Neil, the incidence you've reported is seven per 100,000 sudden cardiac deaths. Is that higher or or lower than you expected?
1: Well, actually, it's a lot higher than we expected. It's over three times higher than has previously been reported in the literature. Now, the higher incidence may be because we had three methods of actually reporting. One is through the FA registry, although not mandatory, it still is um, what the FA have collated over the last two decades. The second was a survey that I wrote to each individual club, which did rely upon memory recall. And the third is social media and, uh, and actually news items. And although that traditionally hasn't been the most accurate way of ascertaining number of deaths, actually, I think in today's day and age where the world's a much smaller place, Uh, and information is readily and more transparently available, then that has been another string to the bow, as it were. Not the only method, but it certainly did help try and catch as many deaths as possible. And and what we are reporting is a minimum estimate of seven per 100,000, so actually, it may even theoretically be higher than that, but that certainly is more than what we expected.
0: Okay. and there were some cases that were um, initially missed during screening, Can you comment on those and and why why that might have been the case? Yeah, you're
1: right. Six of the athletes did demonstrate a normal cardiac screen, and that was verified independently by expert reviewers. So it wasn't necessarily a matter of them being missed due to human error. Um, And in fact, that wasn't the case at all. So there are a couple of possibilities. One is that the ECG and the echocardiogram themselves we not good enough at detecting the disease. Perhaps the disease was in a quiescent phase and hadn't yet um, w- w- uh, w- had not yet manifest itself. So that's one way of looking at it. The other is saying that the ECG and echo simply weren't good enough. Although we do know that they are very good for detecting cardiomyopathy with a sensitivity of over 90%. On ECG alone for detecting hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and over sixty percent for detecting arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, and cardiogram obviously um, is 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 even more accurate. Or the other possibility is for age-related penetrance of cardiomyopathies. I.e., these were young individuals who were screened at the age of sixteen, and the mean age from the literature is that cardiomyopathies can present later on in life at the age of 23 so there is the distinct possibility that these were actually missed at the age of 16 because they had not yet presented themselves
0: and for the players who were diagnosed with an underlying um, cardiac disorder what happened to them or in their cases?
1: Well actually 75% 75% of those diagnosed with a condition, w- with a serious disorder, were allowed to continue to play. Um, and the majority of these did consist of those with a Wolf-Parkinson-White ECG pattern who underwent a curative procedure. But some with structural abnormalities such as anomalous coronary artery origins and valve disease also underwent corrective operations and returned to play, which is encouraging for players who have been diagnosed with a condition in that Having a condition doesn't necessarily signify the end of their sporting career, actually. The the opposite is true and the vast majority have
0: returned to play safely. Neil, I've been fortunate enough to observe you um, uh, during the screening process um, and to see the kind of investigations that you do with players and the kind of pre-screening counselling that goes on. Can you just describe to the listener exactly what the FA Cardiac Screening Programme involves.
1: At the age of sixteen, when a young footballer has the opportunity to sign a scholar contract with a professional club, and this occurs across the whole ninety two professional clubs in, in within English football under the auspices of the FA, they are required to undergo cardiac pre participation screening with a health questionnaire, which inquires about symptoms and a family history, and they also undergo a 12-lead ECG and an echocardiogram. Now, these tests are performed locally, usually at the club training ground or, or, or the academy base, and the results are then sent to a regional cardiologist who is part of the FA consensus panel. They then interpret the results and feed that back to the club medic or physiotherapist and usually with the doctor if there is an abnormal finding then we discuss that with the player and have a face-to-face consultation with the player and with their guardian.
0: And Neil, when, when there is a positive finding that must be quite a distressing time for player and parent. Um, can you describe what the patient journey is from then onwards? What are the next steps?
1: Yes you're absolutely right. The potential of having your career, a potentially flourishing career um, curtailed because of a condition that in the vast majority of cases would be asymptomatic, can be quite a shock both to the player and importantly to the parents. So in a timely way, we do endeavour to meet with the player, with their guardian, usually the parents and the club doctor and a club representative. Um, and we do that in a face-to-face consultation, and then we can discuss the implications. Of course, it depends what condition is identified. Um, often the conditions require further evaluation with tests such as exercise treadmill tests or cardiopulmonary function functional testing, um, cardiac MRI, for instance, or ambulatory ECG monitoring. And those can usually be carried out under the care of that cardiologist of course in more serious cases, which again just comprise a small handful, the player is usually discussed, or the case is discussed amongst the consensus panel with advice given as a result of that meeting, so um, if that is to refrain from playing it will be in accordance with European exercise recommendations and also in keeping with the volition of the player at the end of the day and um, respecting their wishes as well as the club's wishes and the parents but every attempt is made to put the player at ease and try and give a definitive answer as soon as possible the PFA have also provided a um, support network for those players who actually do end up not pursuing a career in football due to a cardiac abnormality that may have been detected. So that is something to bear in mind. And also the PFA have helped fund this programme since its inception back in 1996. So They do take some responsibility to try and support these players
0: um, to pursue other careers. And Neil, as part of the FA screening programme, we know athletes have an ECG and ECHO at 16 years of age then at 18, 20 and 25, it's recommended they have repeat ECGs. But for a small proportion of athletes, they're followed up annually. Can you just explain to the listener why that might be?
1: Well, the serial ECG evaluation is based upon the possibility of age-related penetrance, i.e. an ECG and echo at the age of 16 perhaps isn't enough. We do know that, ECG manifestation of cardiac pathology precedes echo manifestation by up to seven years and therefore an ECG alone at the ages of 18, 20 and then 25 in the context of a structurally normal heart at the age of 16 has now been proposed in order to try and detect any cardiomyopathies that may present later on in life. And you're right, there are approximately 1 in 10 individuals that requires further evaluation um, and a smaller proportion of those do require surveillance. We don't necessarily have all the answers yet and we don't know the implications for example of T-wave inversions in certain territories on the ECG leads and therefore in the context of a structured normal heart at the age of 16 these sorts of individuals require closer surveillance than the recommendations at 18, 20 and 25 um, and in those sorts of cases for instance or if or if there's a leaky valve um, that requires closer surveillance for example you know mitral valve prolapse or aortic valve without any hemodynamic compromise then we do need to keep a closer eye on these individuals and therefore they fall into the yearly surveillance category.
0: We've spoken a lot about the role of screening in preventing sudden cardiac deaths. What other measures can Governing bodies and football clubs take to prevent sudden cardiac deaths apart from screening programs.
1: Well, of course, I mean we we should highlight that screening isn't a substitute for emergency response facilities to deal with sudden cardiac death on the pitch, and that includes automated external defibrillator provision and usage. Um, a recent Survey of the emergency response facilities, including primary and secondary prevention strategies for sudden cardiac death across professional football clubs in England, um, that was published in the BGSM last year, demonstrated that within professional football um, there was a higher standard of emergency response provision and facilities when compared with European counterparts. But training staff and ensuring that ADs are maintained are crucial in ensuring safety of athletes on the pitch, too.
0: Within the screening process itself, we've spoken about ECGs, echoes, and some more specialist tests, such as cardiac MRI. What are the the cost considerations for for a screening programme, and how, 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 how might you explain that?
1: Well, I think one of the benefits, and I suppose fortunate aspects, of this particular study was that these investigations were funded by Football Association and the Professional Footballers Association, Um, but nearly £3 million was used to screen over 11,000 athletes, albeit over a 20-year period, and that amounts to about £77,000 per serious cardiac disorder identified. Now, we appreciate most organisations work within financial constraints, but when analysed in terms of quality of annual life years, i.e. qualies... The British government, for instance, is willing to spend up to £30,000 per quali. Now, assuming athletes with such conditions could be given about 60 years of life, and we mustn't forget that these are supposed to be representing the healthiest segment of society, um, then this equates to about £1,300 per quali, which seems a very small sum, particularly when compared with, say, for example, approximately £25,000 per quali a cardiac resynchronization therapy defibrillator device may cost for an elderly patient with end-stage heart failure. And the other thing to consider is that given the hereditary nature of many cardiac conditions affecting young athletes, an additional benefit is also conferred through familial evaluation for affected individuals, so there is that knock-on effect as it were.
0: Okay, and lots of our listeners, Anil, will be working in amateur sport where there won't be huge budgets to spend on on screening. Is uh, a history, physical exam, is that enough? Does that suffice to detect these or or what, what advice would you give them? Well one thing that has been proven
1: in the past and then reiterated with the study is that history and examination alone are very poor at identifying these conditions and we believe that the American Heart Association guidelines are a little outdated when it comes to advocating screening. We would certainly um, be more supportive of or certainly advocate the European Society of Cardiology's um, recommendations when it comes to screening and that a health questionnaire and familial evaluation is important as part of the process, but a 12-lead ECG is central to the screening process, and that's a balance between how much one can investigate within limited resources. Now the sensitivity of the ECG alone, compared to just 10% of the history, is was 86%. So 86% of all serious conditions identified were through an abnormal ECG. Um, And that suggests that screening should be implemented not just across the upper echelons of sport, but potentially across grassroots football as well. This is a starting point, and the financial availability and the structure and the infrastructure that the FA has in place and has developed over the last 20 years has allowed us to interrogate the screening programme. But that isn't necessarily always the case for grassroots. And I think it certainly is a very solid starting point, but this is the tip of the iceberg, as it were. And arguably you would have more pathology towards the base of the pyramid where people aren't screened as, as as frequently.
0: Finally, Neil, what research needs to be carried out next to further the findings from your paper? Well, I mean there are a
1: number of avenues to explore based on the findings of, of our study. And there's some things that we didn't necessarily elaborate on just in the paper, but for example, there's a six-fold high incidence of sudden cardiac arrest among black footballers compared to white footballers. Um, and although there were many more white footballers, so the vast majority, in fact 90%, were white, this corroborates with findings in the USA amongst black basketball players. And the reasons behind this ethnic variation should be explored further. Um, the paper also highlighted over 250 athletes with abnormal ECG findings, but a structurally normal heart. So re-evaluation of these athletes will help further our understanding as to how many of these may have developed a cardiomyopathy and whether that supports the hypothesis of age-related penetrance and serial evaluation. And and along with that, longitudinal prospective serial evaluation of footballers will help shed light onto the issue of if and when a cardiomyopathy May manifest, and with the new FA recommendations that have also been adopted by a number of sporting organisations worldwide, including some based in America, with an ECG at 18, 20, and 25 following an ECG in echo at 16, and hopefully we will be able to report on this and provide data to help um, investigate this further. And I would like to also place on record. Um, Our thanks to the FA and the PFA for allowing us to do this study. I'd also like to thank my co-authors, who comprised of colleagues at St George's Hospital, but importantly, members of the FA Cardiology Consensus Panel, which is chaired by Professor Sharma, who is also the senior author on this paper. Um, And thank you to you.
0: And I think that's a great way to close, Anil. You've been listening to BJSM podcast with me, Sean Carmody, in conversation with Dr. Anil Malhotra. Thank you very much.